sex wants to get out of playing Settlers of Catan. My name is Matthew Kroll. And isn't this how Jaws started? My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film, No Hard Feelings. Now, you and I have both seen the movie. Can do, Did you feel this way, that the movie could have been and probably was called Maneater at some point? Yes. Uh, uh, possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Like, I can imagine um, a script version of this floating around. Because, as you mentioned on our, um, uh, I can't remember which episode it was, but uh, you talked about it. I, I listened to the um, Last Voyage of Demeter uh, ah. episode, and you talked about the fact that this was a script that had been floating around for 10 years. I can imagine there's a version of this where it was called Maneater. Yeah. Uh, basically, the, the story, again, uh, and I learned this off of Hot Ones, mind you. Okay. Because um, I was so curious about... Uh, the Jennifer Lawrence meme of like, what What are you doing? What does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, that I went and watched her episode and she talked about uh, how she had been friends with the uh, writer, Gene, uh, I'm going to butcher this, uh, Stepnitsky. Yep. Um, and, uh, and then talking about the script for years, it was based on an actual Craigslist ad that they saw and laughed about. And then <laughs> about four years ago, she saw the script and she wasn't working at the time, but she like loved it and wanted like... She wasn't planning on working. She was taking a break. Right. And this was the thing that, like, kind of brought her back. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, this this idea and script has been floating around for a long time. And based on some things that happened in the movie, yeah, I feel like it could have been called Maneater. It just, um, it just felt like it was referenced so many times. It's such a key part of the film. I could just... I imagine no hard feelings because, well, I, I'm saying that because no hard feelings it doesn't feel like a particularly... Uh, it, it feels like the joke of a script as opposed to what the script's actually about. So, yes. so it, it kind of feels like that, like that was a revision that came along somewhere. It also, I feel like, and I'm trying to find examples of it now that we're talking about it. It feels like the kind of nonsense, um, like an no old strings school, attached. For example. Yeah, yeah, like a nonsense title that kind of gives you the vibe. Yeah. of what the movie is, but not something that is highly descriptive or that you couldn't mix and match into another thing, which I feel like was more prevalent, um, honestly, in a pre-hangover comedy space. Right. Okay. Um, so we're talking about film hmm, pre-hangover, The 40-Year-Old Virgin. That's specific, I guess. Yeah. But like, but like, I guess maybe I mean, maybe it's earlier than that because I mean the Easy thing I A of, is a little bit later than for, the Hangover, I think. Yeah, it is. But uh, like, so so the super bad, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, super bad doesn't really. It, it's it's catchy. Yeah. But they don't, uh, you know, uh, they're not like, and that's why we're super bad. <laughs> I guess I guess I'm more thinking maybe 80s or 90s films when it was just like. Yeah. So what's a 80s or 96 comedy? I mean, American Pie. That's pretty specific. Because they fuck a pie. They do fuck a pie in that movie. Um... It just feels. Like, <laughs> my point it feels is, generic. I don't even, it I feels don't even care if this is true. Yeah. It feels like the kind of somewhat generic uh, titling that harkens back to a time of comedies that I really do remember liking, though I can't remember any names of. Uh, um, again, the one that's coming to mind. I think it's a Ryan. No, no. There's a Ryan Reynolds. Um, uh, Arrested Development guy, Jason Bateman, switch a com body comedy oh, right. switch up, and then there is another film called The Switch Up, uh, which I think is where again Jason Bateman uh, switches sperm donors with someone or something like that, and sure, you, you know, and him and Jennifer Aniston. There's a um, the breakup, I believe, with Jennifer Aniston and Vince mm -hmm. Vaughn. But then there's like Can't Hardly Wait. Maybe can't it's more wait. teen comedies, yeah, because usually song titles as well, right? Which yeah, is why Man Eater would be great. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Anyway, anyway, I was I was very excited to uh, to to do this movie because one, I saw the trailers for it and I thought it was quite it looked quite funny. And two, I just don't think they make a lot of movies like this right. anymore. And I was deathly curious to see how a movie with this premise would survive in the year of someone's Lord 2023. Do you (laughs) know what I mean? Yeah, there's a great article in the New York Times by uh, Leah Greenblatt uh, called Bringing Sexy Back to the Movies with a 2023 Twist, um, which uh, the opening lines uh, are, critics and audience have long despaired. Where have all the romantic comedies gone? The freewheeling effervescence (laughs) of bygone Harrys and Sallys and Bridget Joneses, the bright aspirational gloss of a Nancy Myers production. Her latest was dropped by Netflix in March when the price tag reportedly sailed past the $130 million mark. Instead, what modern viewers mostly get are pale, labored imitation. The frenetic Jennifer Lopez, Josh Dumal caper, shotgun wedding, the hollow core uh, Anadama's Chris Evans vehicle ghosted. In projects mm. like these, romance is an empty gesture. Chemistry, a distant dream. Um, Movie goes are starved for something unabashedly adult, and the film gods willing actually fun. We'll probably have better luck finding it this summer in the revival of another languishing genre, the romantic, co- the rom-com's hornier cousin, the sex comedy. Yep. Uh, though, what hard R shenanigans look like in a two, 2023 post-Me Too, post-pandemic, post-online cultural wars may necessarily be a very different thing than in 1993 or even 2013. Exactly your question, Matt. Yeah. Um, how does a movie like No Hard Feelings fare in uh, the... I, I mean, you know, it's funny. Um, I, I think at one point I did call this the post-Me Too, post-Black Lives Matter sort of moment. But, but you know, like, it feels all encapsulating. We, you know, like, Occupy Wall Street uh, feels like a part of this conversation as well. Um, so it does feel like we are... And, you know, this will co-opt a co-opted term here, but the way the GOP has co-opted the term woke, uh, even I think believe Ron DeSantis is running his entire campaign on anti-wokeness. What a a great stance. I know. Can can you tell me, Ron DeSantis, we're going to cut right now to Ron DeSantis describing what woke is. Ron? Oh, you can't. Oh, it's everything you don't like. Okay, cool. It, it was the excuse that I had before, to, which allowed me to be sexist, racist, misogynistic, uh, and all of the above things. Because uh, now it's woke. Yeah, but now it's and woke. We, and we know if Barbie has taught us anything, yeah. <laughs> it's go woke and go broke. You know... Is Oppenheimer the sixth comedy of 2023? <laughs> <laughs> is the one line? Is, no, but that joke is. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, yeah, I, I. Did I say comedy? I meant pest. It's the sex pest of 2023. It's the sex pest of 2023. The Bhagavad Gita. I am now. What is it? What is it? What is the line? I am I now. I am death destroyer of worlds. worlds. Yeah. Yeah. But like, but like, well, fuck it. <laughs> um, anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh, yes, you were excited about this film. Uh, I, you know, look, I, um, there's an odd thing that's happened, which is that I have long since championed the mo- um, going to the movie theater to support smaller films. Yes. Um, however, that has come in conflict with my inability to get up off the couch these days. <laughs> and, so, and so when a movie like No Hard Feelings comes along, there is a sense in my brain, and I, I'm not suggesting this is right or this is a, a, a good opinion to have, but there is a sense in my brain of like, I can just wait for the rental on this one, or I can just wait till it hits streaming. Maybe. Um, now, we I did watch it with my wife, and we had a good time watching it. Um, it was a, it was a, a really great 
home rental for us. And yes. that's not to say that it wouldn't have been a fun movie in a movie theater with a crowd. It, but it, it did surprisingly well, I think, at the box office. They had a really good campaign for this movie. Yeah. Um, they really like trotted out the best one-liners, the you know, the the titillation, I guess if you call it that, of Jennifer Lawrence doing sort of a goofy sex comedy. Given what Jennifer Lawrence's position in culture had been before her sort of break from acting for a little yeah. bit, as kind of uh, the second coming of Meryl Streep at some point. You know, she's got four Academy Award nominations, one win, uh, known for serious roles, um, you know, and a legitimately important uh, actress in the modern in modern culture. Um, it's funny because going into it, I'm like, oh, man, I love Jennifer Lawrence comedies. And then I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, what I Jennifer think... Lawrence comedies are there? And like you could argue that there are very funny moments in Silver Linings Playbook. You could which argue. Which you won the Academy Award which, for. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 Don't Look Up also yeah. has funny moments. Yeah. So like I, I guess that's it. But in my head. And maybe it's just from interviews or something like she's just a silly yeah. fun person. I, like I, 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 I don't want to take credit for this thought, but uh, I was listening to the Ringer podcast where they were talking about this uh, about this film, and they made the observation that um, a lot of Jennifer Lawrence's public persona plays into our perception of her. Um, in and there was a really fascinating observation in that episode. Again, I don't want to plug another person's podcast, but I will because I do like the Ringer podcast a lot and I do listen to it a lot. Um, but the when you're traveling dimensions, we're traveling dimensions. But uh, right. the observation was that there uh, that Jennifer Lawrence kind of found fame in the wake, not found fame, but her popular success happened in the wake of Anne Hathaway's popular demise. So I mean, it, there is a there is some uh, drifting behind another cart and Mario Kart vibes there. I, I get that. I, I, I just, I think that's not to sort of assign intentionality to it, but but just to suggest that um, there was a moment when public culture felt that Anne Hathaway was just a little too much. And I don't agree with this, by the way. I just Neither think do that, I. Uh, I just think that that was the popular sentiment, or the perhaps um, you know the collective. Uh, moment that happened there and then for someone so for Jennifer Lawrence uh, that was a great opportunity not intentional again to rise because she had a more of an easygoing personality despite having the same accolades and Oscar I think both of them won an Oscar in the same year um, Anne Hathaway for Best Supporting Actress and Jennifer Lawrence for Best Actress the Lawrence rises. <laughs> the Lawrence um, rises but no but like actually it's this actually weirdly plays into Wow, I haven't done a Marvel shill moment in a hot minute. Man, okay. they must be slipping hard. Um, I was going to say this actually does remind me of my old argument of there's only really room in the cultural zeitgeist for one cinematic universe for people to consistently pay attention to on a daily basis. I think that actually goes toward this is going to get a little weird, but like. The totem-esque quality that we give various celebrities or different elements or even corporations, like, in our lives, mm -hmm. like, it's weird, but there might have only been room in the popular <laughs> cultural zeitgeist for one of the, and I'll even call it, this is this is sort of the tragedy of it all. It's the actress everyone loves until everyone hates them. Well, because remember, there was uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Chris, um, Chris Pine, no, not Chris Pine, Chris uh, Pratt were the internet's two favorite people for a long time yeah. and then suddenly fell off. Yeah. I think I just want to I just want to addendum to what you're saying which is that in the t in for actresses there are much fewer spaces. Oh, like, a thousand percent. You know, but that's like, what I'm saying like yeah. no matter no matter the no matter the 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 
the places on the board. There's yeah. only so many in all of the different categories. And yes, actresses have way actresses have way less, sadly. Yeah. Um, so it's just interesting that that sort of happened because then this obviously, you know, same as it ever was, that arc kind of happened again. Like people just got sort of over or annoyed with Jennifer Lawrence for no reason and did, like did, did, did she fall out I actually thought she took a well-timed break like she she stopped to have children I believe yeah um, and I, I don't know did she ever fall out of public grace or maybe I'm just so used to that happening that yeah. I have again the memory of it like and I do these comedies that have bland names that I can't think of I'm speaking purely uh, um, purely purely on speculation here because I right. don't keep up with this enough I I'm aware you know, for example, a face that pops up in this film, uh, Hassan Minaj, uh, is currently uh, having a, uh, a PR moment in in history in pop culture right now. Um, so I, I'm sort of vaguely aware, but not super invested in in, yeah. in a lot of this. Um, I, I don't know that Jennifer Lawrence ever had that moment. Uh, I don't believe she did. I remember there was a sense of not victimization, but um, I remember in the Reddit Reddit nude leaks wasn't wasn't she one of the victims in that, which I think... I don't uh, remember. Uh, uh, if I remember correctly, there was like a bunch of celebrity nudes leaked on Reddit at some point. Um, and uh, if I'm remembering correctly, Jennifer Lawrence was one of those people. So I think that not enamored her, but, a lot, you know, like it didn't, it, it meant that she didn't get re-victimized on, you know, like uh, on social media. And I want to, and I want to point that out as well, is that this is on us, by the way, on the audience. We, yeah. we are the ones that do the victimizing with a, uh, influenced by paparazzi magazines, by, um, you know, the, the PR machines, but, but we are the, we are responsible for this. The quote that I'm thinking of, and maybe this is why I was thinking it was okay, a thing, sure. uh, the Jennifer Lawrence said, I just, I just think everybody had gotten sick of me. Right. And so maybe she even kind of bought into that sort of thing, either the Anne Hathaway of it all or like sort of, you know, that that sort of like having building people up, uh, actresses in this specific case, and that just to tear them down. Maybe it didn't happen, but maybe that vibe still felt permeated. And obviously I, she kind of stepped away around, I think, 2019, which, uh, you know, was it around uh, the time Passengers bombed? The film Passengers, uh, you know, think Chris Pratt so. and Jennifer Lawrence in a movie yeah. together. Uh, I think that movie was not well received. I have not seen it. I have uh, not either. I think because the, from what I understand, <laughs> uh, email us at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com if you want to talk about The Passengers. Uh, I think that movie, again, a completely uneducated thing, but I feel like people have talked about it. Uh, it did not uh, handle women well. <laughs> I I I don't know what the I, we'll I just see. thought it was maybe a, I'll was, watch it one day. Yeah, I just thought it was a um, a poorly received film. Yeah. so I'm curious to see it. Um, we're we're circling on a lot of topics. Uh, a lot of this has to do with the celebrity of Jennifer Lawrence, uh, primarily, uh, and then a lot. Well, she's a producer. She's a producer, producer on this film, film, and also which is great. not to forget that she did have a second film come out pretty much at the exact same time, uh, released directly to Apple TV uh, called Causeway, which mm -hmm. I heard is excellent. Um, Ray reviews her and uh, Brian. Uh, Henry Brian, uh, Brian Tyree Hill. I, I'm, I'm no Brian Tyree. I'm gonna get that wrong. He, he was in <laughs> the Eternals. He's in If Beale Street Could Talk. Uh, in he's the voice of the father in uh, Across the Spider Verse. Apologies uh, for getting the name wrong. Um, so I, you know, like that combination of goofy fun along with the 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 well regarded. Um, actually performances that we would expect to get from someone who is the young Meryl Streep uh, or this, akin to the young Meryl Streep. And this movie, you know, before we get into it, does feel like she's excited to do it. Right. 
which you can, I love getting that vibe from people in movies. Everyone in this movie seems quite psyched to be in this movie. Uh, and it just, I don't know, that is something especially in comedies you can feel. The one thing about this, though, is you can see that the excitement has to do with Jennifer Lawrence doing the film. Right, like maybe. Yeah, I, I was I was talking this over with uh, with my wife and my wife, and um, <laughs> we, it's it's twenty uh, two thousand and eight all over again. We're doing um, great. Um, but we were talking about the fact, you know, I guess we're getting into the movie a little bit here. How it didn't it didn't one hundred percent land for me, but it was a perfectly serviceable, you know, Friday night kind of movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it does its job well. Um, but I think what works in a movie like this, like The Hangover. Um, like 40-year-old virgin, that sort of thing, is when there are a number of bit players around the main stars who come in and scene steal for one or two scenes. Sure. Like, I I think that's where these kinds of movies really tend to work, and this does not have that. Like, I think everyone's excitable and everyone's fun, but Matthew Broderick is just, you know, it could have been anyone doing the Matthew Broderick role. Um, Hassan Minaj coming in for one scene could have been anyone doing that role. Um, I didn't feel like anyone came in and really stole the show. And I think the excitement comes from the fact that it's Jennifer Lawrence doing this movie. Maybe. I I think I I, I would say I would yes and that statement. Okay. Uh, Because I think that might also be by design. Right. Like, I think they didn't want it to have those... I think this is supposed to be Jennifer Lawrence's show. Or right. actually, to be perfectly honest, Andrew, uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Andrew Barth uh, yeah. Fieldman, who plays Percy. Yeah. Um, like, everyone else is doing a great job to make them look really good. Right. And I, I think that is, in my opinion, sort of like... Like, they could have cast sillier, more comedic actors for the parents other than uh, Laura Bernetti and Matthew Broderick, which or 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 utilize them in a different way should they want to, because both of those actors are oh, quite yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, Even but, um, a cousin from The Bear, uh, Evan Boss, uh, Moss Bar- uh, Bakker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, it did, I was like, oh, great, it's him, I love that guy. And then I was like, anyone could have really done that role. You yeah. know, like, I didn't think that what he brought to the table really made that role bigger than it was or did gary not move you gary did not move me at all even though he is a tow truck driver and could very easily do so oh he moves me he physically moves me he physically moves your property uh to and from places you don't want it to go (laughs) um anyway i want to get into what uh what is internet movie database tell us says this movie is about ahem on the brink of losing her home maddie finds an intriguing job listing Helicopter parents looking for someone to bring their introverted 19-year-old son out of his shell before college. She has one summer to make him a man or die trying. Not really die. Unless you you got the Jaws scene. But this, this, it's so funny, but this uh, description feels like a 90s movie description. Right, right, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Um... You can you can even reread it like on the brink of losing her home. Maddie <laughs> finds an intro, like you know like that like yeah, yeah, like stupid like silly trailer st- voice. Stupid voiceover guy. <laughs> um, what did you think of the movie? <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I, I I was prepared to be disappointed. Right. Um, I I I was excited about it. You're right. The 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 media push on it felt really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I heard no one talking about it. 
Right. Which is odd because actually I just looked it up on Box Office Mojo. Worldwide, this made $87 million, which is pretty good for an R-rated comedy. What was its, do you know what its budget was? I believe it was 45. But I yeah, so yeah. it made 50 domestic, yeah. 36 international. So it's it's not doubling its money, but it's making a profit. I think in the uh, world of uh, blockbuster spectacles for a respectable uh, mid-range um Six comedy, for yeah. lack of a better term, I think you know that's those are respectable numbers. And I think it, there's there's two things to sort of play into that. I think one, it is actually a, a, a good film that that does skirt a lot of the issues that sex comedies tend to have or mm-hmm. did have. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes it feel very 2023. It also ends, which we'll get to, in a place that I found very cathartic and satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, it also uh, was genuinely funny. Uh, I I laughed a, a decent amount, um, and and it did pull at my heartstrings in the moments that it should have, specifically in one moment where the quintessential Maneater song is being played. Right. Um, it things where it didn't land was sort of any time it felt like there was a larger scene with ad-libbing with with Jennifer Lawrence she always kind of felt like she made the character of Maddie feel alive and fine and sort of sporadic mm-hmm. but people playing off her and maybe to your point mm-hmm. as well like never felt like they were on the same caliber yeah like uh in the small small moments I'm even talking about like when she's walking through the Princeton party yeah or you know any of that stuff it never felt like that anyone's operating on the same level right um but I don't know. I I it's funny. I wrote a lot of sort of like you know play by play first thoughts etc. Going in in my notes here, um, and when I do that, it's normally when I get excited about stuff. Like I have a like first and foremost, uh, I really liked that this film was set in Montauk. Yeah. Uh, have you ever been Shahir? I have driven through Montauk certainly. How do you drive through it? It's like it's like near the end of Long Island. Yeah, so I've been to Long Island and then we drove and then we were staying in Long Island and then we drove through Montauk to get to the Hamptons? Or was it the other way around? Yeah, Montauk's the very end. Okay, That's so what I've I driven thought. to Montauk. You've driven to Montauk. Yeah, yeah. Um, I- I've been out there a few times, once with some friends, uh, once shooting for Guy Code. Mm-hmm. We took Schultz and Damien Lemon yep, and I- uh, uh, I forget who else, out on uh, a shark fishing Yeah, I I, uh, I cut that story. Yeah, there we go. So uh, it's it's very interesting to sort of have that, that, that sort of like, the, 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 the very real feeling of that place. It is a place that rich people have moved into and basically uh, made it their own private thing. I believe one of the times I was out there at Montauk, uh, I was going to a um, christening. Mm-hmm. And the event before ours, uh, Alec Baldwin was there. <laughs> right. There uh, so so uh, my point being, this did have like a good, like all these types of comedies need like the meta thing. Like, oh, no, they're closing the record shop. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting when you can sort of clock whether you give a shit about that element or not. Mm-hmm. Here, again, I think because of Jennifer Lawrence's performance and the fact that I'd been there and I think they portrayed this place quite accurately. Uh, I did actually care. Like, I know the the plot is she needs to have sex with this kid to get a Buick so she can keep being an Uber driver to pay off loans to get her uh, uh, to get her mother's house out of equity debt. Right. Right. Yeah. Dumb uh, as hell. She's got, there's a uh, federal tax lien on her. Yeah. House or something like that. Uh, but like, I cared. 
Mm -hmm. uh, and that goes a long way for me in these moments for me to have those visceral moments of like feeling things for the characters. So despite the fact that I felt like sometimes the dialogue wasn't on an even playing field, mm -hmm. I did connect with it and I was laughing most of the time and I, I got a uh, verklempt on occasion. So there you go. What about you? Uh, I was mixed on it, which is that I, I, I do feel that it's very serviceable. Uh, it works as it needs to work. I don't think it's a bad movie at all. Uh, I, maybe to the earlier point that you said, which was that nobody's talking about the movie, mm -hmm. I think is fairly evident that the movie's got not a lot to talk about other than a few good moments with Jennifer Lawrence uh, and and the young actress, uh, young actor who's playing that role. Um, I think it sparked the conversation around sex comedies just because we are sort of bereft of them, the kind of screwball comedies that we used to get. Um, there's also, not necessarily in the sex comedy way, but the, the sort of um, the goofy leading lady, which, you know, Sandra Bullock, Julia Roberts kind of had for a little while in the early 90s, uh, early noughts, um, and then, you know, Catherine Hepburn, you know, going even further back. Um, you know, I think I think um, one of the things about Jennifer Lawrence that has been interesting is that the last four movies, maybe four or five movies before she took a break, were quite serious or sort of Oscar plays. I guess all of her work with David O. Russell, uh, American Hustle, um, uh, Silver Linings Playbook, Joy, um, you know, kind of did have that sort of uh, feel to them. So it was nice to see that the persona that we were kind of accustomed to in terms of the persona that was in Hot Wings was uh, was evident in this in this film as well. Oh, in Hot Ones, uh, Hot Hot Wings, Hot yeah. Wings, Hot, hot wing, Ones. Yeah, but the way they eat the wings, right? Yes, they eat Hot Wings <laughs> on Hot Ones. On Hot Ones, the, so, the question, the the show with Hot Wings and even hotter questions. Yeah, there you go. Um, so I think it kind of it, it really worked there. I think it as far as the comedy goes. Um, you know, I, I I think it's a lot of like obvious gags. Um, you know, where where nothing really is too surprising. The one there's one scene where they go to the you know the Princeton party. I think is one where I was not expecting the direction for it to take where it did take, uh, where it did go, which I, I quite liked. Um, but I I wasn't quite sure of the setup. Uh, there's a gag involving a pill that's been taken, which we later learn is just Tylenol. Um, and we're not sure why he's he's so um, uh, out of it, I guess. Well, I think he's, he just slammed, he starts slamming drinks. Yeah. And then, then she asks if he took something because he's unresponsive. And she says he took a pill. And then she goes to get him to vomit. Right. So it's the alcohol uh, that does it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I quite like the idea that plays in that scene which is that she's 32 entering a world of 17 18 year olds and her perception of what a gag is what a joke is what humor is is really not what's at play at this princeton party i think that that was a a good moment for me um everyone I, always filming her with their cell phones yeah, like, like, how did yeah. you get here <laughs> i think that's great um uh, like you, like you said, uh, the scene in the restaurant where um, he essentially sings "Man Eater" on a piano and uh, does it in a beautiful sort of voice and and kind of turns her opinion of him uh, really works. There's, I think, the problem for me is that the movie is doing a lot of different things, um, and some of them are kind of in conflict with it. Not not necessarily in conflict, but they're not working well together. Uh, one is that we sort of get this underlying theme that these are two people that have been really um, affected by the per their, their, their parenting or the way that they've been parented sure. through life. And, and I think 
there are times where that feels heavy, uh, a sort of a heavy play in a movie that doesn't necessarily need it, um, particularly on Jennifer Lawrence's side, where we sort of get a, a greater understanding of, you know, how it is she ended up uh, staying in Montauk her entire life, uh, you know, and the sort of gr- and the bigger relationship or the bigger uh, animosity that she has to outsiders of Montauk. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just kind of it, it, it's. You know, again, I actually works, thought that, but, but I yeah. didn't think it needed. The film didn't need it, and it didn't help it. I think all those extra spicy spices of sort of background in that way did kind of help it. It helped me relate to her, and it also helped me re- like it helped me believe why she started like actually caring for this kid, like like so, th- because <laughs> there's ways there's ways in which their stories are similar, and there's ways in which, this is this is something interesting I think I've found, because I've, I've been the stubborn person before in life that's kind of a dick to things and holding things in that I won't tell people close to me, mm-hmm. but I will tell uh, a, a person that I'm getting to know in a way. Like, right. that felt very real because you can open up with them because you're not expecting them to be around and it's a safe space and you won't be judged by basically like a peer at first Mm -hmm. and that sort of turn opens up like a thing in her because she keeps everyone sort of at arm's length that's it's even it's shown very clearly in the beginning with the tow truck driver and the dude who she's sleeping with in the house like you get that she's keeping every yeah her cousin (laughs) second cousin um (laughs) Uh, you get that she sort of keeps everyone other than her two uh, platonic friends at arm's length, right? Yeah. Um, And that is sort of, uh, it's sort of the antithesis of Percy, who also keeps people at arm's length, but not in a physical way, in a complete shut-in sort of way. And just the, and because they both had uh, different issues with parents and different relationships with the place and the way that they interact with people, it actually felt like, the way that they come to actually give a shit about one another um, felt incredibly natural, more so than I was actually expecting. Because, like, you know the the footprints of this movie. Exactly. Like, yeah. like I was not shocked about anything, except I was wondering what direction the ending would go, like the very end. But, like, right. you know that Jennifer Lawrence is going to take this job to break the kid out of his shell. And it's going to be real hard, and wackiness is going to be ensued. But then the kid's going to, like, make her be, uh, you know, think about him in a different light and actually care about him. And you're not sure if it's like a romantic way or whatever, but then he's going to find out. And then there's going to be a big dramatic thing. And then there's going to be uh, uh, a giant moment where one of them tries to get the other one to do something and it fails and they go apart. But then at the end, something good's going to happen. Like, that's the plot. Yeah. But the parts that you're talking about, all these small bits made me really care about that well-worn territory for these characters because they felt like people. So it's interesting. I guess for me, I I do land on it sort of being more middle ground than I think you're describing, which is that I can see the functional play for that kind of material in this film, but it's handled in a way that I, I guess the film overall has a kind of veneer to it that sort of um, a makes, sex comedy veneer? Uh, no, like like an Infinity commercial or a Buick commercial, to be honest with you. Hmm. Um, because, I didn't get that. Uh, so. the, the Infinity car at the end, the red Infinity car on the beach, really did feel like a commercial to me. When um, they drive it into the ocean? When they drive it into the ocean, yeah. Huh. It really did feel like an Infinity commercial at some point to me. Um, I, I didn't I, notice that. Uh, I kind of felt that, I guess, it has too much... It has too much of a veneer and too much star power to kind of 
not, that's not to say that films this big can't do the sincerity very well. Uh, it just didn't, I didn't particularly connect with that material. And then the comedy was, um, you know, a little middle of the road to me. I think, I think I felt very middle of the road on the whole endeavor, but that's not, again, I don't want to suggest that it's a bad time at the movies or that it's in a, it's a bad movie. Um, I just, I find it difficult to get excited about the movie. And I don't want to I don't want to make it seem like I think this is the second coming of comedy. I think it's a really strong comedy. I think it's also doing stuff that's well-worn territory that is then elevated by Jennifer Lawrence and um uh Percy the actor again Andrew Barth uh, Fieldman's performances. Right. Um I think that the way that it the, actually let's go back real quick because the moment where they like cuz they both never went to prom that was another connecting moment. Yeah. So they're going to go have a prom night. So they're going to go to dinner, get dressed up fancy, do the limo, the whole friggin' thing, right? Yeah. And have sex afterwards. And have sex afterwards. Yeah. Because they just haven't had sex yet because there's various humorous reasons why it hasn't happened. Right. Um, not to mention the blatant lying. <laughs> um, and so at a previous date at a bar... Uh, they get into a discussion about the song Maneater and how Percy thought the song was scary because he thought it was about an actual monster-eating men. Right. Uh, and that's sort of the callback. So he, as a sweet gesture in his mind, he learns it on the piano and, and get when he's pressured into playing the piano at the restaurant, he plays a beautiful rendition of Maneater. Now, you said you were like, oh, and that's when she sort of falls for him. Or I think that's, I think I, that's where she... Yeah, but... She sees him. Well, kind of. I think it's both... The thing that got me was the complexity of that moment because, okay, there's a couple things going on. He thinks he's doing something genuinely sweet, listening to a conversation they had and doing a callback to impress her. Mm -hmm. She might be impressed, but in that moment, and this goes legitimately all props to Jennifer Lawrence for like selling this moment and its complexities. She is in a state of awe and personal terror because mm-hmm. she is realizing in that moment it's not just a like doughy eyed wow i see him for the first time she goes fuck i see me for the first right, the time. song is about her and like and he doesn't see that he yeah. sees it as a sweet thing because they talked about it and he and he doesn't register how much of a fucking train wreck she is throughout her entire life and she takes that song and all of its lyrics and internalize it against her entire life and it like it damages her <laughs> like you can right. see it on Jennifer Lawrence's face to the point where by the end of the song, I didn't know which direction the end of that scene was going to go with the, before the friend comes over and it changes directions. <laughs> but like between them, yeah, I didn't know if she would be the one to bail or if she would be so mo- like it was. It's a good it, moment. It's a very, it very a, good it moment. It was really, honestly, a master class in acting without words. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I, yeah I, I, I noted that moment as well and said uh, the, the expression that she gives and the amount that the camera lingers on her um, is a good, un, demonstrates a good understanding from the director of what a movie star is and what a movie star can do for your film. Yeah, um, it's a really, really good moment. And I think I think why this movie impresses me is it can have that moment, and then it can have a body double for Jennifer Lawrence suplexing a child, uh, a teenager on a beach nude. <laughs> was that a, it, I, I mean, uh, maybe for the suplex, but was the whole bit there that that was actually Jennifer Lawrence running through? Oh, I have no idea, but I do know that the the person who does the suplex, suplex. The, the, the suplex, yeah. is not Jennifer Lawrence. Okay, so we should back the train up here because I think. Um, 
I can imagine that that scene in a movie theater would get a lot of play um, just because it's so out out of it, it, it's out of the zone of what the, of what the movie is and so much as that it features full frontal nudity um, you know the but way like I, in a fight scene in a fight scene in a fight scene that doesn't have much consequence for the movie itself like it's a it's a fight scene that's done in a kind of way where you could see that there are hedging there's a hedge of bits onto where this fits in the story because you could easily lift that entire fight scene and the the stealing of the clothes and have the scene play out exactly as yes. it does with no consequence change whatsoever it doesn't yeah. affect any part of the story it can be easily lifted up um and i and i kind of felt that i was like oh yeah okay it's cool that the movie's kind of going off off the rails here but also it's sort of it's going off the rails and then coming swinging right back to where we were before you know before it happened. I yeah I I liked that moment specifically because it turned an intrinsic like air quotes sexy scene of skinny dipping at the beach yeah into something I would like it's shot to like when the fight scene happens with the kids trying to steal their clothes when she marches out of the ocean naked yeah it's not sexy yeah it's funny and kind of scary. <laughs> It's. I think it's. I think it's a kind of great physical comedy that something like the forty-year-old virgin demonstrates as well. You know, it's like the great sort of like the movie is going to. We're we're going to go off the rails at this moment. But I really liked that it was like, okay, here's Jennifer Jennifer Lawrence doing a a, a, a nude scene, but it's not like it's. I don't feel like that was designed to ogle. I feel like that was designed to be a certain like. Uh, spice in a comedic scene that is like makes you just go, "What the fuck?" I, like, I also I wondered, um, you know, there's stories that uh, Jennifer Lawrence's tenure uh, with X Men was sort of um, quite. Oh God, I forgot she was yeah, quite painful towards the. You know, like she just wanted to be uh, done with it. Yeah, and I wondered if this was me too. <laughs> this kind of felt like uh, an action reprise of like. Uh, what that mystique character would do in that situation, maybe. But like Jennifer Lawrence, just as her as herself doing. It. I I I like that she's the kind of performer that can sell that in the way that you're talking about. It's that um, you don't watch it. Um, you don't watch that scene for titillation at all. You watch that scene in awe of how determined she is to not be fucked with at that moment. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's a, it's a good moment. I, I just I also just at the, at the same time thought this is a moment that if the ratings like. Like they, you could see them going. Oh, let's do the hard R version of the film. Let's do the PG thirteen version of the film. Sure, and the hard R version will include this scene, and the PG thirteen version we won't include this scene. You can lift it for network television. Exactly. So um, I think I, I, I think I kind of I got that sort of feeling from it as well. Another another moment that I actually, uh, I actually really well, it's sort of a, a series of small moments. Percy as a character mm-hmm. uh, felt. Again, sort of like believable as the secondary, like absolute real person in this film, not like like sort of operating on a different level. There's small moments that he has um, that like I think it was when the finger trap when she gets the finger trap, the chi- uh, the finger trap thing and they're yeah. trapped together. And she kind of gets freaked out again. Another nice small moment. She doesn't like being attached to people. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and she's like, let me out of this thing or I'm going to scream, uh, you know, what an amazing lover you are or, or whatever. And he's just like, the it's one of these small moments that he gets every once in a while. So, you know, he's got like some edge in him. Yeah. He goes, good. It's time they find out. <laughs> and like, like it, he plays right off her and then she goes to do it and he freaks out and backs down. Yeah. But like, there's tons of those small moments yeah. that like 
help sell again not only Percy as a real person but like the buildup of him uh you know felt as much as the break the nerd out of their shell trope can be it felt like one of the most believable ones yeah I, um, I I liked his kind of turn against his parents towards the end of the film when he realizes the the grift that's been going on um I think it kind of worked really well um but he basically invites her to dinner after he she finds out because uh, she he overhears a call yeah and he drinks a lot of wine destroys the car gives you know goes back uh, they do have a sexual encounter but it's uh not the it's a little premature, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and then they, you know, at that point, that's when he's done with the entire thing and he, they basically separate for a while. For a while. Um, and, then, and then they reunite when uh, she uh, finally manages to save her house and then um, he, you know, uh, <laughs> cue the Infinity commercial. This is what happens in rom-coms, right? The characters yeah. fight, get their shit together, yeah. and then kind of run into each other again. Of yeah. um, The one part that didn't work for me... Mm-hmm. Uh, was the speech Percy gives to his parents about he has to succeed or fail on his own. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's sweet, you think that, kid. Mm-hmm. But this whole thing has been about almost like a class warfare thing. Yeah, and you're yeah. not like... And it's funny, they call it in a different scene, they mm-hmm. call it out a bit, too, because she says, I don't have a dad that can come bail you out, or yeah. can, can bail me out. And she, he goes, yeah, you do, you just won't call him. And yeah, like, or, and, and But then she, like, he also later on cruelly kind of rebuffs that and says that you've wasted your life thinking that he's going to turn up and he's not like sure but that, I, feel, I feel like that's a bit of a different uh, a different yeah. um call on it like they, here's the truth of it both these characters get close enough where when they do have the moments of tearing each other down you feel it yeah and i, I appreciate that again in a film <laughs> where Jennifer Lawrence gets throat punched at a party and then slams her body into a shelf. <laughs> like, in a I, film I, I, where I we watch for 30 seconds her walk up a set of stairs and rollerblades. <laughs> I did enjoy her, um, like, uh, breaking down a door, kind of like uh, Jack Torrance in The Shining, <laughs> yes. and coming in and saying, "Did you sleep with them?" Did you uh, sleep with them? <laughs> I think that I think that's fun. Um, you know, I, it does pain me that I, there there is a little bit of um, I think there's a phenomenon in, in film, and and it used to be called the bottle episode in television or the vacation episode in television, where the you know like uh, they sort of incorporate a vacation trip for the actors. Into into an episode of television, you know. Yeah, Full Brady House, Bunch started that, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, Full House goes to Hawaii. You know, Scrubs goes to Hawaii. A lot of them go to Hawaii. Brady Bunch. Everyone goes <laughs> to Hawaii. Everyone goes to Hawaii because there's probably like a, a good economic reason for it. But there was a little part of me that kind of felt like this movie felt like a summer movie where they just kind of brought people in on their summer vacation. And you know, Matthew Broderick kind of being brought in kind of just felt a little like that. Hassan oh, Minaj. I disagree. I Hassan Minaj talk- turning up for like one scene with no, no sense, purpose. But sure. <laughs> you know, like uh, I, I was just like, oh yeah, these people are just on vacation. I just like, I mean, I think, I think the Montauk vibe is a good setting for a film. I hadn't seen it, uh, a film there, honestly. Clementine uh, from Eternal Sunshine. Yeah, but like uh, that's been a, it's been a minute. That that's my only reference point for um, talk on film. Anyway, I I I liked it because it, you know it felt like an actual place. Uh, I I guess my mileage might vary because I've been there. Yeah. Um, and also the 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 problems slash privileges of characters in the film all felt very real. Right. Um, yeah. I I. Mm. The, I, I never felt like is, it was like uh. It didn't ancillary. feel it didn't feel overplayed, uh, which mm. I think I appreciate. 
Um, but I also didn't feel like they I, weren't saving Montauk. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get much Maddie's out of it. Maddie's house. Yeah, and, and that's where I come down to this middle of the road kind of vibe to the film, which is that I think I think again the word I'm going to use for this film a lot is serviceable, uh, which is that it. It fills the gap nicely uh, of of these kinds of films. Now we just mentioned uh, th- there was that New York Times article, but we also mentioned that uh, the film Bottoms is out um, uh, in theaters right now as well, and I've heard is really great. I liked that director's uh, previous film Shiva Baby as well. So I kind of, I I guess uh, I wondered about where this could have gone further. But again, you know, uh, like like we kind of demonstrated uh, or or, th- or have kind of discussed already, I think. There's, there's not a, there's not a wrong note in this movie. There's not a note which, there's not a part of this movie that takes a wrong step. It just, for me personally, um, middle of the road. Yeah, very, very hard for me to be excited about it or to to talk about it in a way other than yeah, it was fine. See, I, 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 uh, I kind of feel differently. I think. I think this. Um, it does two things. One, it kind of shows the the lack of these styles of movies, right? Uh, especially for how well it did re- right. regarding its subject matter and at the box office. But also, um, I think because it actually for me stuck the landing, mm-hmm. uh, it elevated it for me from sort of a middle of the road thing to a like I would. F- full-throatedly recommend this to people I knew would like a comedy like this. Like, and there's would I no- be standing next to you throat-punching you? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's what yeah, we're I mean, that's what, kind of what you're doing right now, just yeah. virtually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Because, like, it all sums up, and now, you know, deep spoilers for No Hard Feelings, um, where, where uh, they... Basically, she hunts him down again, and they reenact a weird sort of stunt scene because she gets at the end of the beach scene way before uh, he gets on the roof of her car naked, and they drive through and they beat a cop like for almost to a train and all this stuff. And here she's trying to reconnect with him before he goes off to college and tell him how sorry she is, and you know that you know yada yada yada. And he uh, she gets on his car thing, and they eventually drive into the ocean and. Uh, he sort of pulls her out of the ocean and then they sort of reconcile and, and talk. Right. And they become uh, not like lovers and not not romantically involved, but like deeply connected people from a from a genuinely fucked up situation. Right. And I love that they feel close. I love that she's the one that brings him to college. I love that she adopts the dog that goes crazy when you say cocaine from the animal shelter that he worked for. <laughs> yeah. And like when you when you leave these characters driving away to bring uh, Percy to Princeton mm-hmm. and and she sold her house and she's leaving Montauk and she too has grown. They've both changed and grown for the better separately, but because of the sort of lessons that they took from one another and they drive away you feel a sense of, or I won't even say you, I'll say I felt a sense of closeness between these characters that I absolutely love in a deep sort of platonic caring. And I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, I am personally, I think, starved for platonic uh, uh, differing sex relationships. Right. I don't think they happen. And granted, this started on a pretense uh, of, of sexual uh, intercourse, mm-hmm. but it evolves and changes and gets fucked up. And then these two people who genuinely form a connection 
uh, get to be close non-sexual partners. And I, I, you don't get to see a man and a woman specifically with an age difference in, in this thing or anything, like really get to that. I mean, the last time, and this is a little bit more complicated, hmm. but the last time that I sort of felt this and it was the first time in a long time was good luck to you, Leo Grand. Right. Like that's different. So because yeah, they're using that's, sex that's actually in a, a, a good example. I hadn't actually thought about yeah. that film. Yeah. Uh, of of doing the sincerity right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like so I don't know. I I it's it, it look, it sounds stupid <laughs> for <laughs> me to say I was moved at the end of no hard feelings. But I sat on the I know I've been moved by a film when I sit through the entire credits and just listen to the music. Right. And I did that. Right. And so that to me says that something connected with me, I think, beyond um, what it did for you and and probably for a lot of people. But I, I do think that there is something... There is something elevated, it's, it feels so odd to say, to this movie. And I don't know if I've even struck the description of why that is. Mm -hmm. I hope I've sort of, uh, you know, scratched that surface. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I don't know. I, I was shocked that mm -hmm. I felt the way that I did about this movie then. Again, to your point... On the surface, I don't know if it does anything from a performance or a cinematography or an editing perspective special. It's yeah. all serviceable. But yeah. there's something, and it might just be due to the direction, the writing, or the excellent acting from Jennifer Lawrence and Andrew Barth uh, Fieldman that give an actual human connection in an otherwise ridiculous situation. To so I would wholeheartedly use, suggest this film. To use the parlance of the kids today, I think what this movie lacks in innovation genuine comedy, um, daring bravado, it makes up more than up for it with Riz. It's got a lot of Riz. I think I agree with the first one of your three. Yeah. Uh, but not the rest of them. But sure. Okay. Sure. So, what, what, what was the... Well, you the, said it lacked uh, uh, shock shock value and genuine comedy. I think it kind of has both those things. Okay. Um, All right. I, I, yeah. But the first one, I agree with. Right? Yeah. Look. It's getting by on vibes and Riz. It's getting by. It's get, the Riz is doing all the work here, and I think the it's, Riz is great. It's so woke. <laughs> it's so woke. It's so. I mean, the other thing to think about, I guess, is that um, part of the appeal of a script like this is it kind of inverts the format. Well, not necessarily inverts the format, but maybe changes the perspective of what a comedy like this would be. Thinking about American Pie, which would entirely be from the perspective of the young boy trying to get laid for the first time, mm -hmm. and it, instead it plays it from the woman who's going to be, you know, the older woman who's going to be doing the laying, so to speak. You know, uh, what, does she, what does she say? Uh, your name's Laird? What, like the lasagna? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, nope, just Laird. <laughs> just Laird. Um, so I think, you know, on all those terms, you can see how it does a lot of good work. Um, yeah, for me, you know, I, I've said it before, I, I don't think it bears repeating, but, you know, uh, it was middle of the road, but I, I appreciate that it was more than that for you. Um, and that, you know, I, I wouldn't discourage anyone from watching the movie, certainly. Uh, You're not like, going to actively start your anti-no-hard-feelings campaign? Look, it's not going to appear on my top 10 of the, of the year. It's not going to appear in my Oscar ballots. It's not going to appear in a lot of places for me. Um, it, it but might on a slim margin appear on mine. Yeah, but 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 I would I would if someone said, "Hey, uh is this is this okay to watch?" I'd be like, "Yeah, it's fine." I um, would give this a number 10 spot at this point. Really? A number <laughs> yeah, 10 spot I at this really, point. I don't know. What I does it knock it. out in in that in that listing? Ooh, what does it knock out? <laughs> yeah, Maybe? like well, what what comes right after it? <laughs> oh gosh. Well, I I you know, I haven't started putting together uh uh <laughs> but you were very confident about that. This was number I, I, 10. I said, well, well, I did say maybe. It was yeah, literally yeah, yeah. in the description. Let's <laughs> say it knocks off 
I'm going down the list. Yeah, Let's yeah. say it knocks off. Uh, Oppenheimer. <laughs> Mission Impossible definitely probably knocks that off. Uh, I'm scrolling Disney. down. I'm scrolling down. Uh, Asteroid City. Oh, no. I don't Past know. Lives, I really like Asteroid City. Fast X. A thousand and one. It knocks off Black Adam. <laughs> that was last year. That was last year. Uh, uh, Super Mario Brothers is really taking its tumble. No, here. it's Dungeons not. Dungeons and Dragons really yeah. off the list right now. Uh, yeah. No. Um, uh, <laughs> it knocks air off my <laughs> You know what? Fair. <laughs> um, you were telling me before we started the episode about oh, wait, hold on, a hold new on. discovery. Yes, but hold on. This has been the only podcast about the film No Hard Feelings. Now we can talk about other things other than the film No Hard Feelings. Okay. Um, you were telling me about uh, uh, something that you had discovered that I have long since been championing from the rooftops as, and I, and I think I'm not alone in this, Rolling Stone Magazines has called this one of the greatest sitcoms of our generation. Do you want me to pitch you live on, on the podcast? You've already pitched me. We're not going to do a lying bit here. But no, I want I the audience. Lying. I didn't I, know I, if you wanted to discuss the idea before we decided if we were going to do the idea. I'm I'm in, buddy. But just let's tell the audience what you okay, discovered. Okay. So I went away this weekend to Montauk. No, yeah. uh, I went away. I, I was in uh, Portland. Yeah. And uh, I was with some friends who have a one year old. Yeah. And to keep the child busy and uh, while we were getting ready for things, etc., and to not be, uh, you know, uh, ornery, let's Ooh. say. Uh, various children's programming was put on the television. Mm -hmm. And I uh, learned the magic and mysticism of one show known colloquially as Bluey. Mm -hmm. uh, I watched about 10 episodes. That, I think, is a master class in storytelling. Shahir has mentioned to me in the past that he, uh, I think, feels the same way. Yeah. It's, and, the, it's the best thing on television, to be honest And so I was thinking, wouldn't it be fun to do... Either a spinoff or a bonus thing, maybe on Nebula or through a Patreon push or something, do a secondary limited run series <laughs> called The Only Podcast About Bluey, no. where we would look at literally episode by episode, episodes of Bluey, and do short form podcasts on it. And before, dear listener, you're like, this sounds stupid. That's a child's show. <laughs> it's not stupid because it is a child show, but I would argue that that thing does more to get across emotional intelligence across a span of ages than anything I have seen in a very long time. So, I'm, yeah, I, 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 I'm actually curious about how you felt about it as you were watching it, because I want to I have told you this before, but, uh, I, you know, we have a group of dad friends, parent friends, and. I, I, I kid you not, we get around and we talk about specific episodes of Bluey and how they affected us. And I know for a fact that certain dads will watch episodes of Bluey when we want to feel something. Sure. Like, well, so this is my point. Yeah. Like, I think it's interesting because you have a child. I do not. And I want to I want to sort of talk about and champion this show mm -hmm. because I think from from honestly, from an adult perspective who has a child an adult perspective who doesn't have a child, and honestly, children, mm. I think this thing has so many different layers that work. And again, I'm hard-pressed 
to think of another piece of media lately that does it. So this How many is my episodes. Did you watch, by the way? Uh, I think six or seven ish. Because you know there are fifty episodes per season. I don't give so that's a hundred and and if you if you go by IMDb's count, because there's also a couple of interesting phenomena. There's one hundred and seventy one episodes. Now they're about five six minutes each. A couple are eight minutes. Some are three. Sure. Um, the there's a couple of interesting phenomena. One is that there are a couple of episodes that uh, have aired in Australia that have not been permitted to air in the United States um, because... Uh, we find of, them. Uh, because of certain jokes. Uh, I think one joke involves um, urinating or something at some point, and Disney decided that was not suitable for American audiences. Um, That's right. As we all know, <laughs> Americans do not urinate. No, not at all, especially if you're a blue heeler dog. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is um, I, I was struck by uh, how... In New Zealand, when I was traveling there, this was the show was not a big deal. Whereas in the United States, the show is a huge deal. I have a theory. <laughs> okay, hit me. Uh, the theory is... You're going to be talking about New Zealand culture at this point? No, no, no. I'm talking <laughs> about American culture. Right. I can't speak to New Zealand culture. Maybe you can go into this with me. Uh, with American culture, we are emotionally stunted individualists. <laughs> and we are flabbergasted when we can get emotional intelligence put into us that in a way that we will understand and connect with. Mm. And I think that is uh, not a uniquely American thing, but something that is very, very, very common here more than other places in the world. And I think that is why we as Americans, I'll even say me as an American, see this. And not not to take anything away from it, but just the, the thing that like instantly hooks you in because you're like, oh my God, I can talk about X, Y, and Z. Like and a child and we there's like there's I don't know it all it all works in that way for me and yeah. I think that really does have to do with sort of American individualism. Yeah, I um I I hmm I um, let's talk about that. Uh, one thing is that uh, dad from the, the dad from Bluey uh, is hardcore dad goals and almost too much. You know, like like we always joke about the fact that he's just an impossible standard to live up to, but. Uh, he always looks tired. Oh, he's and that is a hundred percent true of every dad. You I must know. know. Yeah. Anyway, like... I don't want to get too much into it here. So, so listen, dear listeners, email us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Has this idea piqued your interest? And this is something that's interesting because I don't know if our core listenership would be terribly interested in this. You can all let us know. But this is something that I actually do think with with Shahir and I's combined either media literacy or idiocy uh, would make a phenomenally entertaining podcast. And the name rhymes with our already existing podcast. The only podcast. The only about podcast about Bluey. Movies, Bluey. It's, it's a little okay. Strange. It doesn't <laughs> rhyme. It's, it is a it is a mirror image in a pleasant mouthfeel sort of way. There are the so, same amount of leaders, right? No, I don't. Fucking no, no, no. Know. It just leaders. sounds nice. <laughs> so, so email us and let us know if you think it's good. Because I, I, it's weird. This is the thing. This is the dumb idea that I do feel like. Even though we've been doing this podcast for eight years, we could do this, and somehow it would get like picked up on blogs and shit, and that's the thing that like does I, it. I, I, and, and the important thing is that's not why I want to yeah, do. Yeah, I was it. gonna say it's be. I genuinely, if if you've listened to this far. And I think the thing for me is that uh, I'm always sort of telling non-parents. I, th- I think I told you on the show. You have. That, that Bluey is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. You have. And, and now I know. And now you know. And it's like, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding about that. It's not hyperbole. Bluey is one of the greatest shows of television. Uh, of television I, I think 
we could we could add something to the bluey conversation. <laughs> anyway, sorry, we've tangented too long. Let us know what you think. Again, only movie podcast at gmail.com. I've been to a bluey birthday party recently. I have not. <laughs> I've had bluey uh, birthday cake. There is a bluey video game coming out that's a drop in, drop out four player game that lets you literally play like at your own pace consistently. That makes sense. Also, I make inappropriate arrested development jokes where I say I blew myself. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> so you got mad. My excitement was at a 10, and now it's at a 9. <laughs> it's, now it's at a 9. Shahir, would you or not uh, <laughs> humming Dad's the joking. theme song yeah. uh, to Bluey while uh, nakedly fighting three teenagers on a beach? Where can folks find <laughs> you? Mom! Yeah. Uh, you can find me at my website being dead. Uh, com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, uh, when we are trying to decide whether you are Bluey, Bingo, or what was the cousin's name? The cousin is so adorable. Anyway, which one are you uh, on your website? Uh, bingo. bingo. Uh, at my website, <laughs> M-A-T-T-H-E-W-Carol.com. My life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four. P-R-A-Z on Instagram or PSN. Yo, PSN fam. At me and play Mortal Kombat 1 with me. It is so fucking good. Shahir, if we could do an episode on Mortal Kombat 1 story, I would do that in a goddamn heartbeat. Again, <laughs> Patreon Nebula Goal, are you interested in that too? It's so fucking good. It's the best B-movie schlock you've ever seen. Also, Emperor MSK on uh, Twitter uh, and Matthew Krull on Blue Sky. Um, next week, I will be back to a regular schedule, meaning I could go to a theater if there was Ooh. something to watch. I am interested in seeing Bottoms. Um, Dare we do two comedies in a row? Oh, my God. Could the world survive? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, listen, our analytics are already super solid after uh, How to Blow Up a Pipeline, the movie, and now No Hard Feelings. Write us in, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. We did have an email about Mission Impossible that I want to get to. We'll head it on the next episode um, because that movie has no shelf life and will be talked about forever. Um, so we can keep writing us in and um, we will eventually get to all your emails. It's part one, Shahir. There's a part two. There's going to be some shelf life. Yeah, we're, we're in perpetuity until the part two comes out. They, they, I, they, they paused filming because the actors strike and the writers they strike. They better. I, I, or did they finish it before? I'm not entirely sure. Oh, I don't know. Shall we just cancel the show until episode two comes out, until part two comes out? No. Why not? Because <laughs> we, we've been doing this for eight fucking years. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. fair. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.